This recording is intended to be used as an educational resource for healthcare providers. It is in no way a substitute for the independent decision making and judgment of a qualified healthcare professional. It should not be used to make a diagnosis or to overrule the advice of a qualified healthcare provider, nor should it be used to provide advice for emergency medical treatment. Welcome, everyone, to the Nursing World Shared Practice Forum. My name is Peter Lawson. I'm Chief of the Department of Critical Care Medicine at the Hospital for Sick Children in Toronto. And it's my distinct pleasure to be able to have a discussion with Dr. Patricia Hickey, who is Vice President and Associate Chief Nursing Officer for Cardiovascular and Critical Care Services at Boston Children's Hospital. So welcome, Patty. Thank you, Peter. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, the pleasure is mine. You and I have known each other for well, nearly 25 years now, and I had the great fortune of working with you for 20 years in Boston. And I know of all that you've accomplished and achieved, and you really have changed the field. I wonder whether you could start by sharing your journey with us. Sure. My focus has always been on the consistency of nurses at the bedside and how I can support them to best influence and care for critically ill children and their families. If, you, if I could summarize it, what you've been able to do is to really, really build a program in nursing science around organizational structure, unit structure, outcomes, care paradigms. How difficult was that? What were the barriers that you found along the way and challenges to overcome? Well, I think in pediatric nursing, there wasn't a lot of science uh, before 20 years ago. I might say the exception was neonatal nurses have always had a lot of progressive science. I was struck in the late 90s and early 2000s that there was a series of papers that came out about nurse staffing. Mm -hmm. And out of uh, the University of Pennsylvania as well as Harvard Medical School, the big aha to the world was when the Journal of the American Medical Association published a paper that showed, actually demonstrated, that when a nurse cares for more than four patients at a time in general surgical adult units, the morbidity and the mortality on those patients rises 7% and higher. Wow. I was struck by the fact that in the serial work, there wasn't a single children's hospital mm. that was um, considered or included. So that is where I began my 10-year journey, really trying to build a program of pediatric health services research. And uh, it has, with my team, we have been able to demonstrate now a number of important findings, some that I'm going to share with you that haven't even been published yet. Excellent. How did you develop the methodology? Because you okay. have to engage so many other people. Right. So the first thing I did, the first paper, I thought I would replicate the work of these adult scientists and find the same thing. So I looked in the Pediatric Health Information Services uh, database for the year 2012, and I looked at all the cardiac, um, examined all the cardiac surgical program outcomes in 43 children's hospitals. And I combined that with the American Hospital Association staffing um, data. And when we examined uh, the care in those ICUs, I could not replicate the findings that staffing ratios made a difference. Mm. And what I concluded was that in pediatric ICUs across children's hospitals, we are already staffed at a level 
that is high enough so that we have a sailing effect. It was different than the adult units where they were having ratios of one to five maybe. Mm -hmm. So the addition of one nurse would make a difference in patient outcomes. So then that begged the question, so what does matter about nursing? We know, especially in pediatric cardiovascular surgery nursing, that these patients consume a disproportionate amount of hospital resources and therefore consume a lot of nursing time. So for my doctoral dissertation, I looked in the KID database, which is the discharge data on every child in America who has been discharged. And at the state level, I compared um, risk-adjusted mortality, complications, and um, charges in every state with the state of California. Because at that time, California still is the only state in the United States that has a mandated nurse ratio law. At the time, there were 14 centers in California that performed cardiac surgery on kids. So I examined the data and we analyzed the data on those 14 centers. We rolled it up at the state level and we compared the risk-adjusted outcomes to California before and three years after the law was implemented. The only finding in that study that was significant was that the charge differential was two and a half times any other state. So even though they added a number of nurses, significant numbers of nurses to comply with the law, we could not find um, a, a decrease in morbidity or mortality. Now the literature, I do follow that literature, shows increased in nurse satisfaction, some um, less frequent fall rates in some hospitals, but the outcomes that I was looking at, we could not find a difference after they added all those nurses. So again, it's not the number of nurses that seems to make the difference in pediatric nursing. You have to have a decent number to start. So again, the question was, what is it that makes a difference in pediatric critical care nurses? So at one of the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia meetings, I got together with some of the leaders from throughout the country and um, explained the dilemma that I was having with the research. So between those there and about 20 others, 43 of us got together, nurse leaders from across the country, and we developed a survey about the processes and supports that are in place in ICUs to support nursing staff. And what did you find? great variation. So first of all, of the 43 institutions, the response rate on this survey was 100%. And I think that tells you how hungry people are for this data. So we have now done the study in 2010 and 43 institutions. And then in uh, 2014, we repeated it. This slide here shows you in 2010, when you look at all the different variables that we examined, leadership models, physician coverage, nurse practitioners, unit educators, I was struck by how much variability there is in these data. The only thing that 100% or 98% of all those units had was a unit secretary. And I thought, wow, in freestanding children's hospitals, you would think we would be doing something that was a little bit standardized. And as you can see, almost nothing was standardized. 
Now in 2014, you can see more units had dedicated charge nurses and nurse directors. There were a few more units that had unit educators, so we were making progress. But the big message in that survey was that we had a lot of opportunity to standardize practices and supports for nurses. It's interesting though, when you look at the development of say specific pediatric cardiac intensive care units, that evolved really in the late 1980s into the 1990s when there was a rapid change in the way in which we in particular performed uh, corrective surgery in newborns. Uh, so what you're saying is there was a lag in the development of nursing practices around those intensive care units. And you bring up a very good point because as this slide shows, we asked what kinds of processes of care are in place and what the unit structure is like. And in 2010, uh, dedicated cardiac ICUs were about 60% of the hospitals and um, another third of the hospitals were general PICUs and those were the units where the pediatric cardiac surgery patients took care of. And we, interesting in this study, we didn't find a difference in outcomes, whether you were cared for in a dedicated cardiac unit or a general PICU. And whenever we're at the big meetings, there's always a pro-con debate about where these patients should be cared for. So in both of these studies, uh, it didn't make a significant statistical difference. I would say to that, though, as well, that one of the things that you have been able to do is to not only replicate your study, but uh, your work, but to also take it to the next steps so that it's not a static bit of information. In fact, what you've developed is a really dynamic repository of information. And right. one of the things that's been very interesting is that your data on staffing and experience. Perhaps you could take us through that. Sure, so part of this survey was documenting the education level and the experience level of every critical care nurse in these hospitals. And this slide shows you uh, at the national level um, in 2010, which is the orange bar, and 2014, the light blue bar. And you can see that 70% of nurses had a BSN. That is far more than the um, average nursing credential. In nursing, you can have a diploma and then take your licensing exam. You can have an associate's degree or you can have a bachelor's degree to enter nursing. The Institute of Medicine has requested that by 2020, 80% of nurses should have a bachelor's degree. And we are well on our way in pediatric hospitals, according to this. And in 2014, we're, uh, we, we're about 76%, where the most common degree in nursing in the United States is an associate's degree. So pediatric hospitals are well ahead. So between 2010 and 2014, there was a 4% decrease in associate's degrees and a 3% increase in bachelor's degrees, which was good. This slide shows clinical experience. And as you can see, in 2010, there was really a bimodal distribution. So about half the nurses in our ICUs across the United States had less than five years experience, and about half had more. But as you can see, in 2014, there's a 6% increase in nurses with six to 10 years of experience and a 4% increase in nurses with 11 to 15 years of experience. So 
all of us together are doing more to retain experienced nurses at the bedside. Specialty certification, specifically um, certification as a critical care RN from the American Association of Critical Care Nurses, also increased between 2010 and 2014, a 10% increase. And that aligns with the more experienced nurses, because in order to take that exam, you have to have two years of experience. I wonder if I could turn to our colleagues around the world and ask a question. Could you please first state your city and your country location? And the question is this. What percentage of your nursing staff have less than two years experience in your unit? And I have a follow-up question, and that is how many of the nurses in your unit have a baccalaureate degree or an undergraduate degree in nursing? And now we're back with Dr. Hickey. Patty, before you describe the important outcome variables that you measured, an important finding was that experience matters. Yes. But it's always been a catch-22, hasn't it? That we want the most experienced people working in our units because we have complex patients and systems. Yet, how do people get that experience for us to actually bring them in? So, I would say a couple of things. First of all, nurses need to be in control of their own practice. And they need residencies and mentorship programs that are formal in each hospital. We hire new graduates into our critical care units and they have a year's orientation. They actually have six months where they don't take care of any patients. They follow uh, their, and work with their preceptor for six months. And then we gradually bring them into side-by-side -side assignments. And then they're independent after a year. But we need to go beyond a year and we need to ensure that we have real nurse residency and mentorship programs for nurses for at least the first two years of their career. So they can take care of patients, but they also have a mentor who they have chosen to help with their professional direction, their professional advancement, to be somebody that they can count on to coach them through all of the complexities of not only caring for these children, but being part of such a high-functioning team that we have in our critical care uh, units, where interdisciplinary collaboration is paramount. We all know, you and I know, that it is not about any one person. We need teams that are highly effective, where everybody feels comfortable speaking up for safety, and we need to ensure that we provide, uh, create and sustain those environments where staff, nurses and physicians can work and practice. So, let's move on from staffing models to the uh, and how you achieve those to what's the relationship between staffing models and the important variable, which is patient, patient outcome. outcomes. The exciting first time findings about these variables and outcomes are published in this article in the Journal of Nursing Administration. And this is a very important slide because what this shows us is that clinical experience and nursing education matters. So when we look and examine the risk-adjusted relationship 
between nursing and organizational variables and in-hospital mortality on 20,407 patients with an average aggregate mortality rate of 2.7%. We can see that in those units with more nurses who have less than two years experience, the odds of death in those units are significantly higher with a p-value of 0.001. That was a first time finding in pediatrics and that would have been great if we just found that. But we also found the relationship on the other end. So as you can see, when we have more nurses with over 11 and 16 years of experience, the odds ratio of death in those units is significantly less. So when there are more than 20% of RNs that have less than two years of experience, the odds ratio of in-hospital mortality is 1.3, and that's significant at a 0.05 p-value. It was total years of nursing experience that significantly mattered. And we believe that's because when you start practicing as a nurse, you begin to socialize into the profession. Your clinical thinking and your critical judgment begin to develop. Can I ask another question along that line at the other end, which is, I think you said that nurses that had more than 12 years of, of experience also were associated with um, fewer. A, a fewer or lower risk for mortality. Right. I want to follow further from mortality as an outcome variable. Mm -hmm. I've heard that mortality is not a variable that we should be comparing anymore because it's so low, which is great. But what about morbidity? So that's where we came for our next study, is we wanted to see if any of these variables had an effect on morbidity. And the way um, we proceeded to study was when I gave this presentation at one of the pediatric intensive care conferences, mm -hmm. um, a couple of cardiac surgeons from other hospitals came up to me and invited me to replicate this study in the STS database. And what we did was we added complications mm -hmm. and failure to rescue. So we went beyond mortality. And this is very timely because as you can see, this article, which we just published in the Annals of Thoracic Surgery in July of 2016, it was our outcomes analysis linking the 2010 survey with the Society of Thoracic Surgeons Congenital Database for Children Undergoing Cardiac Surgery for the years 2010 and 2011. And what we found for the first time in pediatrics, we were able to show that higher nursing education is associated with any complication after cardiac surgery. So in units with higher percentages of nurses with a BSN or higher, the complication rate was significantly lower. And again, in a totally different database, we were able to replicate the findings of clinical experience on mortality. Well, that's remar remarkable and um, imp important information. How do you relate this finding to and recommendations to other areas? Well, I actually have a couple of examples. For this patient population, uh, post-op cardiac surgery patients, we actually have a wonderful 10 years uh, experience of working with 30 centers around the world and providing webinars from Boston Children's Hospital as part of our International Quality Improvement Collaborative. 
And that's where nurses from our institution provide education uh, based on a key driver quality improvement diagram where our um, primary aim is to reduce mortality. And we do that by educating to infection reduction, implementation of the WHO checklist, and uh, nurse and team training. So we have nurses and physicians providing modules at the beginner, intermediate, and advanced level. And then where the, these hospitals send us their data, and we're able to visit them once a year to audit the data, and that's where they present to us. Mm -hmm. And they show us how they've either adapted the, lear the learnings to their particular hospital, but also they measure their outcomes. So although they don't have nurses uh, less than 20, they have more nurses with less than two years experience, they individualize and they look at those IQIC modules and they provide a curriculum, online curriculum for their nurses through the IQIC so that they can ensure that the nurses are continuing to have professional education at the competent and more advanced levels. Another um, opportunity that we provide um, throughout the world is open pediatrics where we have a number of uh, nursing uh, orientation and continuing ed education programs so that I've helped nurses in China and in India create um, tailored curriculums for their nurses. So that's how we're helping build the capacity uh, for these kinds of outcomes through internet and leveraging technology. A lot of what you've talked about, Patty, relates to opportunity and mentorship. Mm -hmm. What's your view on mentorship? How do you, what do you expect and how, how should someone provide mentorship? Well, I, people laugh. I, one of the talks I had to prepare for this conference was managing or leading the ICU. And I chuckled in my own mind because I meet with all the new nurses and all the intensive care units and I tell every one of them that they are a leader. And they look at me like, are you kidding me? I'm, it's my first day in the ICU, I'm not a leader. And I say we all are leaders because there is no more special job in the world than taking care of children. And we are leaders in that care, whether it's caring for one patient, two patients, running a unit or a hospital, we all have to have leadership abilities. And it is our job as leaders to ensure that we have uh, provided environments where these kinds of opportunities are fostered mm -hmm. and people can uh, have on-the-job opportunities for developing their own leadership. One of the other findings that was significant in a third study was that CCRN certification is now um, for the first time associated with fewer complications in patients. And I think that has to do with the retention strategies. In 2014, we had more nurses in this study than we did in 2010 with more experience. And you have to have at least two years experience to get that credential, to sit for that exam. I wonder if I could turn to our colleagues around the world and ask a question. Could you please first state your city and country location? 
And the question is this, what retention strategies do you have in place for your nursing staff in your unit? And now it's a pleasure to welcome back Dr. Hickey. One of the things that I've noted at a number of recent uh, cardiovascular critical care conferences is the expansion of nursing posters and nursing science. Yeah. So I think that's really key, and you talked about ed education and professional development, but it seems to me maintaining that curiosity, being inquisitive, mm -hmm. leads to innovation. And what would you recommend to young nursing staff that have come through, they've finished their two years preceptorship, if you like, in, yeah. in internship and residency. What would you recommend to them moving forward? Well, this all stems back, if I can just say, I did rounds on all the ICUs. And people told me how they loved working in these units. But the one thing they said over and over again was we really wish we could have our own uh, research opportunities. Right. And the truth is, bedside nurses have the best questions in the world. They are the consistent presence with our patients, with our families, within our complex systems. They are the ones that have those important questions. And how wonderful that they can ask those questions, we can help them refine those questions, and then we can coach them on the research journey so that they can begin collecting data, whether it's improvement science or comparative research effectiveness, and then we can help them through the IRB and eventually to present their posters or their publications um, and to start the next round of questions. So we actually have a, an official nursing science fellowship program where we take a few nurses from each ICU every year and we mentor them with official nurse scientists like uh, Dr. Jean Connor, Dr. Michelle DeGrazia, myself, Dr. Sandy Mott, all of us, I say we're all leaders, but we're all also coaches. And we have to have that fire as well. I think when people see us excited about the work and um, looking forward with optimism to what is possible, I think that helps them get excited as well. So Patty, can you try and summarize all of the work that you've done around education and experience? So what significantly matters is nursing education and experience. We have been able to replicate our findings on nursing education and experience as being significantly associated with mortality. So the more education and the more experience a nurse has, fewer deaths um, are the outcome in those units. CCRN certification, specialty certification, is now for the first time found to be significantly associated with fewer complications after cardiac surgery. And nursing education, we were able to replicate again with complications. So education has been significantly associated with fewer complications. So these are really the four variables that have been found for the first time and as far as mortality uh, replicated. Taking everything that you've said together, mm -hmm. How have you applied that to nursing practices at Boston Children's Hospital? Well, at Boston Children's, we're very fortunate, and we have taken the findings from these studies seriously. So to be hired at Boston Children's, a BSN is strongly preferred. Mm -hmm. um, we also have a benchmark cut point 
of no more than 20% of nurses with less than two years of experience on each unit. We apply these findings on each shift so that no more than 20% of nurses with less than two years of experience is on any given shift. So the message from all these studies is not that we're not going to hire new graduates. We are, and we are going to support them with mentors for at least two years. And we are really paying attention to retention strategies mm -hmm. because you get what you pay for with experienced nurses. They save lives, and we've been able to demonstrate that. And as we all know, excellence is achieved by matching the competencies of nurses and interprofessional staff with the needs of our patients. So we encourage and reinforce a culture of certification as well, because for the first time, we've been able to show that the CCRN credential is associated with fewer complications in congenital heart surgery patients. Well, Patty. This has been a joy for me to be able to have this chat discussion with you. I've known Patty for, well, over 20 years. And one of the things that she's talked about a little is leadership. And Patty embodies leadership as long as I've known her. You've done all the things that you talked about that you try to strive for other people to achieve. You see a problem and you try to fix it. And you try to fix it by being collaborative, you bring in other people, you defer to expertise, and then you facilitate it by opening doors. You allow the people with that expertise to find the solutions. And there's one thing that you have that I think sets you apart, and that's a generosity. And that's very hard to replicate, and I think it's a model for all of us. Patty, thank you. Thank you. This recording is a production of Open Pediatrics, a free and open access resource for pediatric clinicians worldwide. For more pediatric care materials or to join our global community, please visit our website at openpediatrics.org.